Um, hey, Teach, can I still go on the field trip even though my permission slip got accidentally eaten by machine gun fire? Welcome to Video High, your B-movie education. Today's assignment, 1990's Last Flight to Hell. But before we do that, let's do the roll call. Jamie Kennedy? Last Flight to Hell, you say? Sounds like every trip we've ever taken to visit my in-laws. Yikes. No respect. No respect. (laughs) (laughs) Greg Hansen? Well, I'm pleased to let you guys know that we are back... We got a movie with a sufficient amount of box factory, so we are in good company. Damn it, I was worried you were going to use that joke. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Casey Regan. We'll be continuing our boarding for the last flight to hell. Next up, we will be accepting active military and military veterans. That includes any DEA wet teams, (laughs) um, drug cartel leader henchmen, and just... um, I guess just anyone out of the video game Contra. Anyone out of the video game Contra, welcome. You have plenty of options for flying to hell. Thank you for joining us. Uh, And I'm Josh Roth. The description for this film on IMDb says, a highly trained DEA agent. And that just got me thinking, has there ever been a film in history that's about a meh trained agent? (laughs) They're all highly trained. Mm. I mean, this this one would be it. (laughs) Now boarding Lucifer Airlines Flight 666 at Gate Mephisto. Finally. Actually, that's the 7 p.m. flight. We're on the red eye. Feels like we've been waiting forever for this flight to hell to take off. I'm still not sure why Mr. Marlowe decided our field trip this year would be to go to hell. (laughs) Seems a bit extreme, even for him. In the red eye? I know we're underfunded, but that's criminal. How are you guys not tearing your hair out? We've been sitting in this terminal for an eternity. It does feel like we've been waiting a while for something to happen. Uh, We got here at, like, what, 9 a.m.? Yep, for a red eye. Thanks, Josh. (laughs) You know my family motto, if you're not 12 hours early to the airport, you're late. This is a courtesy announcement for Lucifer Airlines Flight 999, the red eye to Hades. (laughs) Here we go. There is no update at this time. Frustrated noises! (laughs) When Mr. Marlowe said we'd be taking the last flight to hell, it sounded exciting. But I thought it'd be a bit more... Interesting. Audible. Visible. Memorable. Yes, just a bit more. Jamie's got a point. Can anyone name a single thing that's happened while we've been waiting for the last flight to hell to take off? I think I heard Red Brown botching a drug bust that resulted in a shootout, but I can't really be sure. I only caught one of every 20th word. And there was a woman that was crossing a border to pay the ransom for her drug smuggling father, right? I vaguely remember people talking about a safety deposit box key. Did a snake get cut in half with a switchblade? Or did I hallucinate that? 
listen, none of you are giving Rebuary enough credit. You don't come to Rebuary looking for plot. It's big. It's beefy. And it can yell like nobody's business. Now that's the true meaning of Rebuary, Charlie Brown. Hmm, I do like the way Red Brown yells. And we can always count on Red Brown causing at least 50 explosions. That's all well and good, guys, but I can't wait another minute for this damn climax. I, I mean, takeoff! Now bombing Lucifer Airlines Flight 999. <sighs> oh, long last. We're boarding. I think it said bombing. I can always count on Rebuary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this movie did at least have explosions. <laughs> yeah. Damn, Josh, I don't know if we could do that sketch in Rebtember. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon from AIP Home Video. Last Flight to Hell. The ruthless boss of a Chinese drug smuggling ring expands his territory. Get your guns. And kidnaps the head of a rival organization. And DEA Special Agent Mitch Taylor's mission is to bring them back alive. There's a major Chinese opium smuggling ring operating on you. Your father got in their way. My father's involved in drugs? Now they must flee the country on the last flight to hell. I'll take care of it. Get inside. Coming soon from AIP Home Video. Wait a minute, does this... <laughs> did this sketch come out of... Did your YouTube automatically go to the Nicolas Cage movie World Trade Center as well? <laughs> no. no, but we did just watch the movie Plane recently. <laughs> yes, this movie is in fact played. It, it, it shares a lot of DNA with that movie. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I liked one better. <laughs> I mean, saying that this movie shares live DNA with another movie, and then you name not Rambo 2 is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> About 10 minutes into the movie, I realized I was taking like less notes than I had in like any other episode we've ever recorded. Uh, and then like 15 minutes into the movie, I just gave up taking notes completely and thought to myself, it's fine. I can just vibe. I'll remember this plot. I can't. I, I didn't. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, because it's meaty. There's a lot, there's a lot to chew Just on like it. Red Brown. <laughs> Is there a shared anti-Last Flight to Hell opinion amongst y'all? I mean... Oh, no. No, but just... Warts and all, the movie is extremely plain. This is the yogurt that has very little of the fruity bits. <laughs> this is the most 1970s, 1990 movie I've ever seen. No, this, there's 1,000% no way that this movie was made in 1990. <laughs> this movie I, was... I we googled, I was we like, looked it up like five times. I was like, tell me when this was shot. Tell me when this was shot. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, not a dearth of information on no. the internet for, for the class. <laughs> Classic yeah. last flight to hell. Lost to, lost to time, I guess. Yeah, because the whole time, I'm familiar with Red Brown from, well, from Strike Commando, but also from Space Mutiny. 
Uh, so I'm used to his face in that and watching his face in this. He looks significantly younger to me. So the whole time I was like, obviously this was shot in 1976, but no. Uh, I mean, you know, that would put the egg on Stallone's face. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm into. So Video High says it, uh, due to our research, this movie was made in 1976. Red Brown is the original. Everybody else needs to uh, not, uh, kneel to, to Zod. Yeah, shocking, <laughs> shocking truths have been uncovered. I, I don't know, y'all. I, I felt like going home. Right. I mean, it, it, full circle. Like it, it was just like watching Strike Commando again. <laughs> no, it sure wasn't. It sure... <laughs> Strike Commando because... had juice. This, this is decidedly juiceless. Yeah. Listen, I I had a plenty good five out of ten time with this movie, but uh, <laughs> Bruno Mattei, this is not. <laughs> no, it does lack a little bit of the zaniness, right? Like yeah. it, it has all the pieces. There's no Disneyland monologue. There's oh. no. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> to be honest, it seemed it seemed like our boy Reb was on Quaaludes for about yep. half the shoot. But you know what? Chuck Connors wasn't. Chuck Connors was way more engaged in this movie than he was in Sakura Killers. Yeah. yeah. Chuck came to play. Chuck Connors, who looked like Willem Dafoe in a biopic of Jack Palin. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Maybe we should get into the movie, but something that hit, just thinking of Reb Brown, because, you know, he's... Who deserves thinking about this movie? And maybe it's because this movie is so fresh in my head. Thinking of him as a performer, thinking of his instrument, right? He really is in a lot. If it weren't for all those muscles, he'd be (laughs) such an incredible voiceover artist. Oh my god! He'd have been the great. Like if if he didn't put his not thinking about nothing face in front of these, (laughs) if he didn't have that cut ass body. That voice could have been that 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 could have been in the ears of millions. A backup idea I had for the book report was uh because spoiler alert this movie the plot did not inspire me very much. <laughs> the other one I had was the Red Brown book on tape school of yelling voiceover. Mm. It's wild to have an action star whose face and mouth do not line up <laughs> like like right. in this movie in particular strike commando and space mutiny he's got a bit more cocaine or energy or whatever <laughs> yeah. and in this one he really like no. was channeling his like inner wbgo dj voice <laughs> like and then when he wasn't doing that it was either he was either at a one or he was at a Sam Kinison. Right. It's just like yelling, but no emoting. Like mm. I've never seen a person yell with their mouth and not with their it eyes. It doesn't yeah. touch yeah. the top of his face. Yeah. It's incredible. No, that's, that's what's amazing to me, right? Is he's, what we are watching, right? Is an actor give nothing on set. <laughs> <laughs> like literally zero, right? And then he gets in that booth yeah. and he like molds a performance in there. Hence the like screeching, that golden screech oh. that just fills me with such joy. I remember an actor in college, and maybe he was being too much of like a whatever actor, but did say something that I found interesting, which is. He's like, don't write inflections into your script. Don't write italics. Hmm. Right? Because it's, like, it's up to the actor to 
Yeah, and and specifically he said, how does an actor act italics? (laughs) (laughs) And this movie feels like Reb Brown acting the italics. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just, it it was written that I shout, and, and thus I shout now. Right. That actor... Uh, was not successful, by the way. So, yeah, that sucks. Because literally, that's uh, your job, dude. Read the script yeah. that it says in there and decide how it's done. Hey, when you did all uppercase for this character name at the start of the script, like, I, what am I supposed to get from that? Um, I I don't understand this word. Int. 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 You shouldn't put your scene headings at the top of the scene because, like, it's, it's boxing me in. Yeah, where am I? Should really be my decision. <laughs> Our first episode being Strike Commando. Like thinking back to that episode allowed me to realize, wow, just how much of the music was exactly the same. Oh. It was literally <laughs> the yes. exact yes. same music. At the end of the movie, I. Uh, I heard a, a bit from, and I was like, this is Strike Commando's music. I'm- <laughs> the first shootout at the beginning is the end credits music. I only remember that because I used it for our closing thoughts <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the first episode. That's what I meant. Yeah, I was like, I was like, wait a minute. I know this. I know this. It's a unix system. Turns out the Italians, it's not that they were ripping off American movies, one ripped off an American movie, and then they all just ripped off the yeah. Italian movie. <laughs> I just love picturing how that was accomplished back then, because here today, you know, every editor has a hard drive full of so many soundtracks that they've ripped from, like, the shows they've worked on. But, like, I don't know how easy that is back then. <laughs> I mean, they would just have mag tape, and somebody would, uh, you know, probably, like, go in in the middle of the night and just be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, for Turkish movies, which were the fucking Wild West, they would just literally, like, have record players, and the editors would live score the movie in real time, and they would just needle drop other movie scores in their movies. So you're, like, watching Turkish Star Wars, right, a.k.a. The Man Who Saved the World. Yes. Uh, And it's, like, they're playing fucking Indiana Jones and The Godfather. (laughs) And stuff like that. It was just because that meant that editor had those records. <laughs> oh, wow. I love it. Oh, film is beautiful, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I did like it, though. I liked it as it sort of created a continuation of the Red Brown cinematic universe, right? Like, this was... To me, in my head, it was a Bond theme that came on as he was doing something. (laughs) Well, not heroic. He doesn't do heroic things. He fires (laughs) down upon hapless victims from a a ledge. But at least that is a continuation of the Ransom character's, I don't know, uh, uh, certain something. There's joie de vivre, at least. This is kind of more of a sequel to Strike Commando than Strike Commando 2 is. Oh, yes, 100%. (laughs) Which, and I liked this more than Strike Commando 2. Yeah, I liked a lot of things more than Strike Commando 2, though. (laughs) When last we left our flight to hell, (laughs) the man in commando, Red Brown, and his very 80s buddies are being led by a conical hat-wearing guide with a distractingly bad beard (laughs) through a jungle of infrared acid trip opening credits. They come to a clearing and take tactical
the left and to the right. <laughs> and just as they counted on, a drug smuggler named Vincent Dugan appears to do a deal with cocaine Sherpas. But they hadn't counted on a helicopter appearing overhead and suddenly landing after several minutes. <laughs> Dugan knows who's coming and tries to think of something, but he hadn't counted on getting double-crossed by the cocaine Sherpas who pull out AKs and mow down Dugan's men. Then out of the chopper steps Lynn, a criminal underlord thankfully known only in this scene as the Chinaman. <laughs> who reveals his fiendish motivation for dropping in. And that's holding a major foreign drug dealer accountable for the profits he's stolen from this nation. The villain. <laughs> and he kidnaps Dugan with the help of a cue ball mustached right hand man who is never off his 80s jacket game. <laughs> but he hadn't counted on Rep Brown having a grenade launcher because Lynn's helicopter gets kaboomed and his men get treated to a hail of machine gun fire from Reb and his Italian A team or A team. <laughs> but they hadn't counted on Lynn shoving Dugan into a truck and driving away while counting on the fact that Reb Brown was told he had to take Dugan alive and just damn shit like crap, you know? The rules, dang. Not for the dozens of other people, but shit, damn, you know? Later, Chuck Connors gets out of a cab to yell exposition at Reb Brown. He reminds him that the DEA has been working on a case on Dugan for six years and let him go do drug deals in the jungle so that Reb can catch him. What's overcomplicated about that? But he hadn't counted on Lynn being a Harvard grad with an army of fanatics, raking in millions of dollars a month. But Chuck Connors doesn't care. He needs to arrest Dugan to begin a string of arrests that'll put his name on the attorney general's door or the governor's. Either way, it doesn't matter how murdered Reb's brother was by smugglers. He needs to bring down Dugan within the law, by which he means through an illegal U.S. military incursion into a sovereign nation where literally everyone but Dugan can be shot. <laughs> this could upset Rev, but he hadn't counted on Chuck Connors being hungry, so we're out of that scene and getting a lunch that Chuck Connors hadn't counted on paying for. Over Juicy Squat Lobster, the rifleman tells Plank Hardpeck about Dugan's daughter, Sheila Madison, who is coming into town to meet with an associate of her father's. But they hadn't counted on blam, blam, rackety, clackety, blam, 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 kapow, kapow, as a gunfight breaks out in the restaurant and Chuck Connors is shot. Reb says they'll need to take him to a hospital, but they hadn't counted on not having the budget for that location and lay him instead on a table in a hut. Meanwhile, Sheila arrives at the Jap Ina Vietnamese airport and meets with Tony, her father's partner, and his 95-year-old right-hand man, Hong. Tony immediately asks for a key, but he hadn't counted on Sheila not putting up with any shit and demanding answers. Tony informs Sheila her dad is in fact involved with drugs and shows her a videotape of a beaten Dugan begging for Sheila to give up a key to a Hong Kong safety deposit box. Tony sends Sheila and Hong away to get the key, 
but he hadn't counted on teamsters from the local breaking in and demanding money. And then he further hadn't counted on their willingness to push that shit right up to 11 and gouge his eyes out when he refuses. Hong and Sheila return. Hong is knocked out and Sheila runs, hides, sneaks, padlocks, and mainly coos her way through a foggy blue box factory pursued by armed goons. But these goons hadn't counted on Red Brown and his ability to grab them to death. Fearing her own life, Sheila knocks out Reb with a falling bag of rice I certainly had not counted on and returns to Hong, who gives her the literal roadmap she needs to get to the rest of the movie. Hong tells her to go to an address and ask for a favor in his name. Why? Because you can count on Hong and his willingness to disappear the bodies from multiple homicides. On his way to do just that, Reb Brown is upon him with a gun and asks for more information on Sheila. Meanwhile, Chuck Connors and the rest of the team are checking a radio to see where Reb Brown has gone off to. He's totally off the grid, which is exactly what Chuck Connors had hadn't had maybe counted on. <laughs> you made it sound way more exciting. We didn't count on Casey making this movie sound. <laughs> I mean, misgivings aside, no matter what, this first act oh, is yeah. a banger. I like mean, it's, it is yeah, also yeah. my most noted. So yeah, it's fr- it, yeah, it is a front-loaded well, movie. A lot happens. So lot much happens. happens. Act one is like really sets it up. Act two gets a little sleepy in the jungle. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, that's so interesting that you say that because while we're doing action set pieces nonstop, right? We're just going to keep going to places where gunfire will be- ensue, right? And I had a, a deeper, I got emotionally connected after this act, right? Like, in t- actually, when we got into the jungle, I found myself like, I don't know, like, Longing for this movie and regretting that we'd soon have to cut back to the afternoon we had with Chuck Connors. <laughs> like, as fun as that is, it is a weaker story. There's, I mean, you know me. I am always going to be a big cheerleader of the nonsense bits. Oh, right. yeah. And, and I, I, I actually don't disagree it's just this has, like, both scenic changes and action you know in in a in both a classic sense and also in like a script sense where like right. things are being revealed it's, it's also got surprise which yeah. is an aspect that well I, really... I mean this movie's full of surprises if you don't know what's going on <laughs> not yeah, since yeah. guardian angel have we seen a bigger collection of random people that we thought was gonna go a certain <laughs> way only to like become a different shootout really which is the whole opening start of this movie yeah that entire crew that just like, gets mowed down Red Brown's like reaction to like all right we got him we're uh, oh oh uh, everyone is dead uh. <laughs> i'm the only one left sure this is the right place yes every month this time team one right team two left all right move it out quickly stay quiet all right Franklin. let's go down and be real quiet you stay here we'll be back let's go we also start in, like, straight up the middle of a scene. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. Which is very funny, and everything about the opening is pretty jarring. I did love the drug smuggling camels, the random 
helicopter explosion. Mm. That was neat. It get, it really does hit the high octane and then sort of trickle off. But yeah. I did. Well, like- you're right. So many in this very beginning, we're just walking up to it with Red Brown, camels with with sacks on either side come lumbering down the road. A jeep pulls up and a bunch of fucking Jurassic Park Lost World villains get out and they're like, they're handing drugs back and forth. Hey, Dugan, we gotta take him back alive. Scheidemann. A helicopter shows up and the Jurassic Park villains get shot. It's like stuff's happening here. And Red Brown is just watching. It's like, (laughs) just spectator. I know it's such a trope, but having bad guys standing on the back of a Jeep holding big machine guns does feel extremely stupid for being one of the guys on the back of that Jeep just being like, uh, the reinforcements are right here. So if you want to shoot us while we like roll up. No cover, no cover. Now's the time. It really didn't help that that guy was wearing a bullseye (laughs) t-shirt pointed right towards his heart. It was a target. Also, (laughs) it's the jungle. How many branches are just thwapping you in the face so that you can like, (laughs) the gun's doing the work here, Philip. You, you you know you're you're not the scary part here, hey, Phil. Hey, my gun's down here. <laughs> Casey, I do, I did like that you brought up the fact that Lynn's motivation is to it's very sensible. Yeah, I the, didn't catch that. Wait, so what is it? He basically goes, "There's been millions of dollars made on the cocaine coming from this country, this country, yeah, right. yeah. This, this country, this country, yeah, right. this country." Uh, Which all we can be uh, sure of is it's not China, not right? China. <laughs> so it's not the only it is, thing we know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's this country. That's we know it's this country. That's what country yeah, right. we know it is. Also, somewhere presumably that the DEA has international jurisdiction. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I told you already, Mister Dugan. I will no longer tolerate any foreign intervention in my country. The profit that you have accumulated by exploiting our soil has to be returned to me, friend. What you're trying to do here. My family will never forgive. I don't care about your family. The Chinese are running the game now. Take him! I feel like he was being like, you, the mafia or whatever, have been taking drug money out of here for too long. But the wording of it sounded like anti-colonial. Like, it sounded radical. It was like, for this movie that's doing everything it can to, like, reminisce fondly about the Vietnam War. It's like, (laughs) that is very funny. That is like a a weird, like, I suddenly was like, go Lin. I'm on Lin's side. I'm on this dude's side. When he said that, I was like, that's our villain? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Dugan's like, you animal. How dare you try to (laughs) shut the faucet off of resources. Ever ever heard of something called Manifest Destiny, (laughs) <laughs> I'm so happy that you love the bullshit so much because there's something about the way that, how fast and one and quickly the bullshit came into this movie that I didn't hold on too tightly to the first uh, gun scene, and I don't even remember. The first many gun things. scene is good. I mean, there's not much that's notable other than by 1990, we had largely moved away from the spray and pray as the major form of uh, gunplay in movies. We were starting to see the influence of like a John Woo, but 
this movie instilled our core American values of prayer and yeah, gunfire. Right. Uh, and I, I can get I can get down with a well-oiled man <laughs> wasting as many bullets as possible. <laughs> Fucking orders. Damn it. We had him. Shit. When he gets away, Reb goes, damn, fuck. Shit. <laughs> the funniest thing in the world. And then it was just like the car is going like you, like bro. These are unpaved you, roads, Greg. Like you, you can't could just barrel through here. <laughs> no, I know that, but what I'm saying is our boy could hoof it. Like you could get yeah. if you really wanted him that badly, you could catch that truck. The one rule that we get from the beginning, from the get go, is he needs Dugan alive. So let's just shoot everything in sight. That's the process of the American justice system. I've, I never can get behind in movies where it's like, we must have due course of action for one person. Right, exactly. Kill everyone else. Kill everyone else. <laughs> but he will see his day in court, goddammit, where we will push for the death penalty. <laughs> I mean, you know what this movie was missing? An interesting villain. Yeah. This yeah. movie yes. would have been well, absolutely... No, Lynn was very interesting, but not in the way that they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's interesting in like a dramatic way. Not. Yeah. He's not sneering. He's not snide. He doesn't he's have not like... scenery. Yeah, he's not chewing scenery. He also yeah. pieces out. Yeah, he's yeah. gone for the first act and he, then in to- on top of that and then, and then the reverse of that spoiler alert when chuck connors has his heel turn like it that barely lasts oh, half yeah. a scene like we don't get to see him being the baddie right for, and like fun that's <laughs> the thing it tried to spread the responsibility of the villain of the story around spray and pray yeah yeah it's tried to spray and pray it's Lynn. It's like first it's Dugan, right? We arrive on the scene in media rest, and yep. Red Brown's like, "There's Dugan," and you're like, oh, "That's a hilarious two syllables. I can't wait to hear that <laughs> the rest of the movie." <laughs> <laughs> and so we're watching Dugan, and then a helicopter appears, totally fucking doming Dugan, touching down and being like, "I'm the villain of the story, actually." To be then very quickly made to look a fool by Red Brown. Yeah, Chuck Connors. Yeah gets the heel turn at the end but it's like it's not he more just seems confused throughout the movie yeah, than yeah, yeah. seeming mystery <laughs> a lot of things seem confused about this movie <laughs> there was ear guy there was ear guy yeah, oh. ear guy mercenary people but like yeah no there wasn't a firm like direction pointed yeah it turns out actually everyone but sheila and reb brown were not great or dead <laughs> they're, they're villains or dead if you're not reb brown or sheila that means that she has something they want in exchange. Good boy. Now, she goes to Sadly. They both go to save Dugan. Naturally, we never let him out of our sight. When do we go? After you pay the tab. Rev, <laughs> you'll never change. Waiter! Get out! 
the shootout at the Chinese restaurant. Oh my god! There are some great ricochet sound effects going on that I was real fucking into. That scene was incredible because, and I cannot stress this enough, listener, it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> nowhere. He just says the word waiter and a shootout. Ensues. Which was awesome. This movie, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. This movie gets props for wild sound design, wild ass music. Fucking, I, di- I didn't know that there was a, a stock music library for 8-bit systems. <laughs> uh, I would love them to tell me where that is because it'd be wonderful to have access to that. Then, uh, I can get you the key for it, but you'll have to kidnap someone's dad. <laughs> I loved I loved that shootout. I got no end of enjoyment out of Chuck Connors. Like, he was still pretty much sitting at his seat at yeah. lunch while engaging <laughs> because, in He's the, like, I'm not wasting this. I'm not, I'm not wasting. In front of his... <laughs> I'm going to keep eating. I don't know. God, all right. So, I almost wanted to take the ripoff report card from you, Greg, because... The, so, they... <laughs> Chuck Connors is just sucking the hell out of a little, uh, out of a, what he says, he says, this is the juiciest langostino I've ever had. Now, I've never heard that phrase before, right? So I Google it. The Wikipedia for langostino, it just explains it's like this Spanish word that kind of like encapsulates this term that's known as a a squat lobster. It's like (laughs) this this species of lobster that is, yeah. like if you Google it, you'll recognize, like you've probably seen it and thought, big shrimp or small lobster. It's just one of those bugs that we eat, you know, from the ocean. (laughs) One of those delicious sea bugs. And the Wikipedia (laughs) has a restaurant labeling controversy tab where it talked about how in March 2006, Long John Silver's garnered controversy by offering a dish they called buttered lobster bites without making it clear in its advertising that these were made from langostino lobsters. And that brought me down this wormhole of reading, like, notices from the FDA to Long John Silver's being like, we think you're misleading people with this word lobster. (laughs) It's like, like, you understand Long John Silver's. What the word lobster doesn't people's heads. So, 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 uh, so wow. they had to promise to be like, all right, we will label whatever has langostino lobsters in them, langostino lobsters. And even in the FDA thing, it says like, if it's a langostino lobster, you have to have the word langostino adorning the word lobster, wherever might be misleading to your customers, right? And so- So now now put Red Brown in the FDA versus the DEA and have him deal uh, with this. Oh. <laughs> you are making lobsters, but they weren't real lobsters! <laughs> I looked up on the Long John Silver's website. They do still have their lobster bites, and they say they call them very sneakily Norway lobsters, which is a place <laughs> where you can catch squat lobsters, langostino lobsters. Oh but that sounds nicer, doesn't Better. it? A Norway it lobster, does, it does yeah, made sound. out of a pure Norway lobster. God damn that Long John Silver's crafty. Crafty organization. <laughs> now I kind of want it. Right? I've never been to a Long John Silver's in my life. Also, by the way, uh, FDA and everyone but Long John Silver's. If you're going Long John Silver's for the buttered lobster bites, yeah, you're not getting Top Shelf lobster. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to sorry to bust this. <laughs> sorry to bust your vision of yourself wide open. <laughs> so Chuck Connors in the scene gets shot. Right. 
which means that he's going to be sitting for the rest of the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And economic um, storytelling. Absolutely. And he gets taken back to a hut where Red Brown is to perform <laughs> surgery on him and he says, "When did you become a doctor?" And he said, for an operation like this, just now, which is awesome <laughs> and reminds me of a slight tangent that I Ooh. had as 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 a young man, I'd been known to hang out in front of a 7-Eleven. Uh, one time I was hanging out and uh, my, my older brother's friend came in and he was a weird guy and uh, uh, and he you know goes to the 7-Eleven, comes out and I was like, hey. What are you up to? And he's like, yeah, I'm buying a couple of packs of cigarettes. And I was like, really? When did you start smoking? And he looks at me and he goes, five minutes from now. (laughs) (laughs) So badass, yet so lame at the same time. That's so good. Wow. Uh, I didn't know a thing could be both. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, this country, just as as generic as it is in uh, general location, it is also very generic in how far away anything is from each other. Like, the fact that they're just kind of running from location oh, to location. Yeah. And at one point, Lynn says, we've got a long road ahead of us. And there's no indication of what that actually means. <laughs> because, like, yeah, they go from jungle to restaurant to back to jungle. And uh, Chuck Connors is in a hut that's, like, just over the safe border because that's where the plane needed to reach. But what border? Yeah, like, right. Everyone is getting everywhere. A very, <laughs> a very versatile location. <laughs> Jungle to city to nightclub to cocktail to whatever you need. I think that's just what the Philippines is. (laughs) Yeah. Tony, this is Miss Madison. Welcome, Miss Madison. I'm glad you could make it. Please have a seat. I've been waiting for you. Sorry I couldn't tell you everything about your father on the telephone, but he's in a very serious situation here. Did you bring the key? Now, wait a minute, Mr. Sopri. I just left my work and came halfway around the world. On the basis of our short telephone conversation, I am his daughter, and I'd like to know what's going on. The other thing that this movie does, and I and we've talked about it before in other movies, which is, damn, this movie cannot hang on to a conflict. <laughs> Every time something is set up, it is immediately dispatched. They are in yeah. so little both trouble and danger for any length of time. The most consistent issue is... The, I suppose, romancing the stone-like relationship between <laughs> Sheila sure. and Mitch. That is very, like, she, he's like, I'm going to fucking arrest your ass. And she's like, okay, then I'm not going to help you. He's <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say. And she goes, I guess I love you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, of it's all of the story. shoehorned romances we have watched, this is gotta be in the top five we should definitely do a valentine's day episode sometime just ranking the shoehorned romances of of movies past it definitely felt the most like stockholm syndrome did right like like she he like she's scared of him until he like busts in to protect her from sexual abuse and then she's like hello (laughs) man (laughs) and the thing is like 
she has interesting things. It, it it almost feels like literally like very few things were just written for her. So it's it's like she's a non-character because she just isn't doing anything <laughs> when she's not hitting people in the balls or throwing uh, burlap bags of rice onto them. <laughs> I locked those three guys in a storage room and somebody else showed up too. But now what do I do now that Tony Shopper is dead? You must go to your father. I'm too old for this sort of adventure. But here, Sheila, uh, go to this man. That's the address. Ask him for help in my name. He'll find a way. And take the map from the drawer. As for me, I have to clean up the mess so that the police do not ask too many questions. But Sheila, remember, we're running out of time. Mm -hmm. So go. Go, Sheila. Hurry. Uh, it's me, your fellow student, Confused Alan. And, uh, uh, I love when Confused Alan does the announcements, right, Jamie? Right, Josh? Yep. Oh, yeah, right, he's Greg? my favorite. Greg, you Always Confused Alan. Yeah, he's all right. Okay. <laughs> Great. Uh, and I have the Act 2 synopsis for you. Um, okay, so... Sheila, she gets on a boat and ends up in the jungle where she pays, like, a really cool lady to bring her along the path to the border. Um, the border to the country? Uh, what country are we in? Okay, well, they dress up Sheila in more appropriate attire and find some, quote, border guards, unquote, who are just uh, dudes sitting in the jungle waiting for people to show up. And they take a particular interest in Sheila and do what any self-respecting man in the jungle would do, which is to attempt to assault her immediately. <laughs> uh, thankfully, Sheila can take care of herself and hits nuts the way Red Brown snaps necks. The guide lady blows away the rest of the guards uh, as they hightail it. Somebody else, I don't know who, cuts off the ear of one of the guards to frame somebody. Again, I don't know who for the murders. This will not, I repeat, will not come back with any actual significance. To pad the runtime. There is yet another guide that needs to be paid to take them across the border who is thankfully a half raccoon man because while he cannot be tempted by money, he can be tempted by shiny, shiny ring rings. <laughs> Meanwhile, Chuck Connors takes a load off because he had a whole scene where he kind of moved around a bit and now that's it for the rest of the movie. <laughs> He talks on the radio to no consequence at all. <laughs> the second, much greasier guide is Abatsa, and he pieces together who Sheila is and wants uh, her both money and body. The lady guy tries to protect her because she's the greatest, but he blows her away. Rest in peace, lady guide. Meanwhile... Our boy Mitch is snapping necks, and he saves Sheila's hide just in time. So, right when things are looking good, he lays the hotness on her. 
He's gonna help her get her father back. So he can put his ass in jail. Booyah! Nice pitch, homie. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, that doesn't convince her. He says, well, maybe she'll go to jail too. But that doesn't convince her. Our boy has said everything. What else can he do? Well, like a well-placed, it's the only way we get the key to the city and the movie can continue to happen, albeit now nonsensically. <laughs> they bring along Abadza, the greasy guide, and after little fanfare, they have now, quote, crossed the border. <laughs> when Mitch ties Abadza to a tree to leave him there in case he has double-crossed them, Abadza pleads for food and water, but while they're not paying attention, he makes his way into a cool secret weapons chest <laughs> he has stashed away, and then they have a standoff. As you can imagine, Mitch hands over the ransom money, but has a tiny little pistola <laughs> in his bag and blows away a botza because there can be very little lingering conflict in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sheila and Mitch arrive at the bridge where they are instructed to go and Mitch lets Sheila execute quote the plan which is mostly him sneaking around while she says uh hey is anybody here <laughs> it is me lady with bag o money it's the bridge on the river why as she meets a bald man we have seen but know nothing about and she's uh, to bring the safety deposit key with her as they go back to General Lin's jungle fortress to make the final handoff. So that's it. Um, no, that's nothing, the movie. nothing more to say. We can skip right to Act Three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I gotta say, confused Alan put it pretty succinctly. I felt. I feel like yeah. <laughs> in opposition to his name, he really did have a, a handle on it. There's a switch right where this movie made me regret. That to get this movie made, it needed Reb Brown and Chuck Connors, mm. right? It's like the formula, the equation that went into making this movie required that. Whereas, like, the movie we settled into for a little while, while it got a little snoozy, it was like a much more interesting movie to me. A movie that I was like, I found myself sinking my teeth into in a way that cutting back to Chuck Connors at a radio being like, God darn it, I just can't get him. <laughs> just didn't didn't quite hold me in the same way. You mean when we cut back to Chuck Connors asking, where did Reb Brown go? Did we lose Reb yeah. Brown? <laughs> what happened to the star of the movie? Where did the movie go? Where did, uh, did anybody, anyone anybody have tabs on the movie? Oh, can anyone shit. reach the movie on the radio? There's that part later where one of the goons is like, all right, Grandpa, back to bed. Right? Like, there's like a... <laughs> well, they also seem to be trolling him throughout because his character's name is Red, but I'm pretty I sure he oh my God. gets called Reb over and over and over again. I <laughs> felt, yeah, I was like, is this a, 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 the real Rebuary? The most yeah. Reb, Reb <laughs> The movie? most Rebuary you can choose. <laughs> well, I kept hearing Reb, and I thought that Chuck Connors like demanded it, like, because there's going to be two names on that poster, right? And I want to be both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you want to go? I have to cross the border. I hope you brought plenty of money. Is this enough for you? It's not for me alone. You have to pay the others along the way. Are you going to a party? We have to do something about your clothes. Come on, I'll give you a change. Come on. 
Acting did have my Lady favorite guide. character, Lady Guide. Lady, Lady guide, guide was great. Right, my favorite Lady character. Guide, Lady Guide Guide. <laughs> and she wasn't in it long enough. Uh, I could have done a whole movie with her, like, just acting out of good faith and money, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, to her word. To like, her word, exactly. Not exploited, like, exp- uh, exploit exploitatively? I don't know. Yeah. Also shows you what a favor in Hong's name can get you in whatever country we're yeah. in, right? Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it Hong's name goes, you know, uh, it doesn't go as far as it used to. Hongflation. When we when we meet the greasy guide about Greg did you such a favor there, Josh. <laughs> Greg did you such a favor. Go on, Greg. There there when you we meet Abatsa You thank this man. When he pieces it together that Sheila's there with like a shitload of ransom money and he's gonna steal it from her and he pulls a knife on her and all this thing, he says my favorite least favorite thing in this movie which is don't fool with me I don't get mad easily but it's wiser not to rub me the wrong way why did he just say I get mad easily don't (laughs) fuck with me like why would you go I don't get uh, I'm not quick to temper you know like villains uh, normally very (laughs) even keel right like it's just such a funny writing choice to be like, listen, I'm not going to blow my top, but I might get a little pissed. I'm Bonnie, and this is Clyde. We rob banks, but really just, you know, because we're fighting <laughs> against, you know, the, sca- the savages of capitalism in the Great Depression. <laughs> Give me all your money, if you want. It's Iago and Othello going, I hate the more, and I like most people. people- <laughs> <laughs> That whole introduction of the lady guide and and this and Sheila trying to cross a border and everything it introduced a a action movie mythology that was so much more interesting than the mythology of like the Rambo two ripoff we were watching right like like there's something so exciting to me about this little snippet we got of uh, lady guides who on at two their own death will defend will get you across a border border guards that are just as corrupt as you'd imagine these sort of like you know small gangs that populate whatever this is now that is also as this whole enterprise is an oversimplification and uh (laughs) minstrelization and mythification of a section of the planet that we don't even have the good courtesy to name (laughs) (laughs) at the same time i sort of do love that myth making they're doing there right i like i liked the lady guide i liked the idea of her i liked the business with the guards i like they didn't give us subtitles i like that we just sort of i don't know if that was always the case but at least the version (laughs) we were watching like confused alan was right the fact that they had to shoot the first guards they come on and then some guy starts cutting off an ear and Lady Guide's like, that's so you know, uh, you know, he did it. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> and we and Sheila are like, oh, whatever you say, okay, sure. <laughs> You're the expert. I also, I, I wonder if the ear thing and some of the little confusing but interesting or interesting but confusing, whichever way you want to lean, details in this part of the movie are a result of having a little more time with the actors. <laughs> 
<laughs> like mm-hmm. the, I also <laughs> found this part of the movie to be significantly better photographed. <laughs> like yeah. like that there was like a aspect of this movie that looks like they were taking time to make it that they just didn't have with uh, Chuck or even Reb to some they, extent. They had Chuck for like uh, an hour or two a day, basically. Yeah, like <laughs> like the introduction of uh, uh, Creepy Guy. What was You got a name, Greg. I didn't even get a name, so. I think she said his name was Abbot. So. Yeah, that, that he's like praying and we're like, shoot, a guy comes in to get him and we like pan down and we're looking through lattice work or something and like perfectly land on his face. And it's like, there's a character that isn't even going to be important or in the movie in eight minutes. So like, <laughs> I don't know why we're <laughs> doing this. Uh, it's, but it's like, yeah, I, I wonder the ear thing and like, I love the Abbot's real like person introduction where when lady guide brings sheila and they try to convince him with money and you know he's got all these rings on his fingers and lady guide goes up to sheila and just like sort of wide-eyed looks her in the face as she takes a ring off her hand (laughs) to like go presumably her wedding right exactly to then go give to abatza so that he will help them like all that stuff i thought was rad as hell i thought was like active cultures in this petri dish right here like we could build something really nice out of this stuff right but no (laughs) because yeah (laughs) it was not to be creepy guy reveals himself pretty quickly to be yet another rape killer (laughs) in the Mm -hmm. world of rape killers and a bigger crime kills our lady guide kills our lady guide oh uh, heartbreaking red brown comes in stops abatza drop it all right, down on your knees. Move it! Hands on top of your head. Miss Madison, give me the rope. How do you know my name? We met before at Sappers. Don't you remember? Watch out! That fight scene would have been cool if I could see any of it. I don't know if it would have judged. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's better in my That's head. That's true, yeah. This movie looks like the print had been dipped in turpentine. <laughs> <laughs> it it was real streaky and it muddy. It was rough. And yeah, there were some bits where I was like, I truly can't tell if this is day for night, night right. for day, night for night, <laughs> like lit, underlit. Over, like I, th- there were some things where I was like, I don't really truly know what I'm looking. Yeah, <laughs> some of, some of these times. Um, yeah, I guess it was overstating for me to say this part of the movie is very well photographed. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that the camera work necessarily? It truly looks like. I mean, it's that special juice that is whatever the fuck short ends they were shooting at right. that had been stored in like a moldy storage container. In you know fucking Abruzzo and in, in, in absolute like appalling heat, they're aging Parmesan right next to the cans of. <laughs> stock, yeah, right? yeah like like this is like cans of like Technicolor for like like two strip that they're like uh you can shoot this we don't have the process for it anymore but you can shoot it. Hey folks, it's time to say goodbye. Untie me, man. Forget it, asshole. Hey, how about your promise? I lied. I promised you your life, not your freedom. Huh? Shit. I'm going to tie you up and leave you here. If you lie to us, when I come back, I'm going to cut your ears off. Oh, fuck. What do you mean? You can't just go out and leave me. A snake could get me. I'll die of thirst for sure. 
I'll be dead when you get back. You hear me? At least get me something to drink. He's right. We don't want to be like him. All right, asshole. Where are your provisions? Over there. Under the root of the big dead tree. Dig there. Loved Abatsa's stash of guns. I liked that a lot. The the little hidey hole. Very funny. Because, yeah, they, they, they have him on a leash like Gollum. And he's bringing them to Mordor. <laughs> He says, "Wait, if you tie me here, I need some. I need some water. I need some food or something." Reb- and Sheila's like, "Come on, we can't be as bad as him. Give him some food and water." So Red Brown goes, "Okay, where do you keep your provisions?" She was like, "What are you talking? You just walked here from the jungle. What do you mean? Where do you keep his provisions?" <laughs> and he goes, "Over there, under that tree." <laughs> and I go, "This is stupid. He's got like a box of stuff over there under that tree. <laughs> Not under that tree. <laughs> under <laughs> another tree." <laughs> He's got his whole Duke Nukem loadout just waiting. I mean, I'm a big fan. I think the Duke Nukem power-up is exactly right, which is if you touch it, then you get all the things in it because he's at the very end of the road. Yeah! And he's like, like opening it with his foot and and then suddenly he has a gun and nothing, like... And he's free of the rope. Yeah, so it's like if he if he's able to touch it, then he gains all of the things. That, uh, <laughs> that's that rules. That's, that's so a great cool. comparison. The Model UN team will be meeting in Miss Grady's history class today after school until 4 p.m. Just a reminder: the delegation from the Philippines does not endorse the depiction of their country in the third act of this film, <laughs> or the second or first act either. We pick back up with Mitch sneaking into the compound and collecting weapons. Machine gun in hand, he plants an explosive device in the room, which, to be honest, I did not clock the first time, so credit to them when that comes back later. Fred is lounging around in footlocker apparel when he hears a noise. His companion goes to check it out. He finds their dead companion, Slade, and is killed by goons himself. Fred turns around to see a mercenary there to take him in. Mitch fights his way into the compound. The leader of the mercenaries, Lynn, summons Sheila. Lynn says they need to talk about some details. His men are preparing the plane, and at dawn, they'll fly out of there to Hong Kong. She has to come with them so she can remove a safety deposit box for them. But she makes him swear that she and her father will be free to go when they get back. Lynn can't make that promise, mostly because he wants to get in her pants. Sheila slaps him, but Lynn is not taking no for an answer. Mitch arrives just in time, taking out a goon slash guy who likes to watch. They have Lynn captive now, and it takes them to Sheila's father. Mitch is thrilled to have finally tracked down Dugan after six years in the DEA. Dugan promises to go peacefully if Mitch can get him and Sheila out safely. He demands Lynn take him to the plane on the other side of the village, but Lynn says they'll never make it. There's too many guards. Fortunately, they'll have Lynn as a hostage. But the jig is up almost immediately, because there are too many guards. (laughs) Upon threatening Lynn's life, the guards stand down and they drive by many, many NPCs. An intimidation (laughs) check gone well. As they drive off, Mitch blows up the village with the biggest array of explosives money can buy. It's like that viral video of the fireworks show that accidentally detonated all of its fireworks at once. Lynn falls out of the truck and Mitch struggles to regain control of him as a hostage, so they have to leave him behind. Anticlimactically turned climactically, Mitch shoots Lynn in the head as he drives towards them, (laughs) sending their car careening into a shack that blows up spectacularly. 
Sheila, Mitch, and Dugan board the plane, and despite getting hit with machine gun fire, they only need to make it ten more minutes leaking fuel to get over the border. Mitch tries to radio to his compatriots, but there's no response. They go in for a bumpy landing in the jungle, and just so everyone knows, this is exactly like the climax to the movie Plane. (laughs) 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 They climb out of the plane, but oh no, in the branches there's a cobra! But before you can say snakes on a plane, Mitch has quickly decapitated it. But the cobra's snaky friends want revenge, and Sheila falls into an unrelated pit of cobras. Mitch climbs down to save her. Dugan says he and Sheila can run away while Mitch is stuck down there, but Sheila refuses, and thus Dugan stays too. Miraculously, they come across Red's compound in the jungle, where Red is still alive and still working at Foot Locker. Red asks where Dugan is, and Mitch says he's dead, he didn't make it, so clearly some shenanigans went down behind scenes. Dugan appears, and Mitch turns his gun on Red. Dugan says he's going to take the witness stand against Red for his involvement with the drug trade. Red is caught red-handed. Ha-ha. But he has his own mercenaries to take on Mitch. Sheila and Dugan run into the woods. Now it's a gun chase through the jungle, and all parties are involved. Of course, Mitch sprays machine gun fire into the jungle because he's in a Vietnam movie after all, but he's shot in return. As he lays on the floor of the jungle bleeding out, he pulls a gun on Red, who is then bludgeoned to death from behind by Dugan, saving the day. Sheila cures Mitch of his gunshot wounds with a torn-off shirt and a damp cloth. Dugan radios for help, and the three wait for rescue. Dugan says with a good lawyer he'll be out in six months, and in the meantime... Mitch better take care of his daughter. Laugh, laugh, laugh credits. <laughs> <laughs> While I'm gone. Go to Bone Town. Just know you got the A-OK from me, buddy. <laughs> Go for that it. That was maybe the most wild part of the movie to me. Yes. Loved it. Like Jamie said, uh, uh, I completely didn't notice him placing explosives so when he pulled out the uh, I I was flabbergasted and it made it it even better for me it's like what uh, when did you have time for this (laughs) Uh, they showed it I I guess they did well I mean uh, he didn't have a lot of time because he could only rig up that one building to blow (laughs) up five times (laughs) (laughs) this is Vincent Dugan's daughter welcome I never would have imagined that uh, Vincent Dugan's daughter would be so beautiful. This is no time for compliments. Just tell me where my father is. You're right. But perhaps you're forgetting one important detail. The key. If I may have it. What will happen to us? I think you'll survive. As long as we work out all the important details. Right now, I think you want to see your father. Uh, Sheila's been taken in and by Lynn and uh, Red Brown sneaking around. Ooh, that all rhymed in a way I didn't Ooh. quite intend. Oh. We're cutting back to Chuck Connors and the other commandos getting like ganked by a mercenary suddenly. And while that was all fun, I found myself like really. <laughs> I'm at least mad enough to write in all caps. Why are we back here with music implying there's connection? Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. There was one bit where Lynn started to endear to me as a villain 
where where Sheila comes in and they're talking and she's like, how can I be guaranteed of like our safety or whatever? And he responds, I think you'll survive. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, ooh, nice and ominous and weird. And then they don't really bring any of that back very much. And like, he just kind of does that thing where it's like, Oh yeah, like uh, you know, we'll see. And I'm like, all right, yeah. like that's like it get it gets boring the longer it goes. Right. If they didn't just make this character immediately another sex pest, it <laughs> would have been a little more fun, right? <laughs> Though I did love when he's in a room alone with Sheila, he pours himself just about the tallest scotch you possibly <laughs> can <laughs> <laughs> to talk to the hot lady. Who is it? Want. Don't move a muscle, fucker. Mitch. You all right? Yes. Where's your father? They've got him downstairs. Come on, <laughs> asshole. The whole bit where he gets taken hostage and really is an extremely ineffective villain. <laughs> like, we, we divvied this up into acts. Yeah. Which is funny because it's like, there is no low point in this movie. There is no point at which that all hope is lost. No. There is no technical act three break. I don't know and if there's so, ever hope. I don't know if hope <laughs> is a thing you have to feel it's at any Like point. anytime anyone is captured for a modicum of a moment, like you see that there's intercut. Like it's not even that Red Brown disappears for like 15 minutes. It's like, oh my God, is he going to be able to save? No. We see him under the truck, apparently. Uh, we see him walking through the compound. Like, he is obviously going to come in and save the day in any second. Like, <laughs> Yeah, if we're seeing Sheila as kidnapped, we know that somewhere else Red Brown is killing somebody, right? Yeah. And, then, and then they're in the Jeep, but like, and he's like, you'll never make it out if you're alive. And Reb's like, I have you as a hostage. Of course I am. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then like, oh, they I lose forgot him about briefly. that part. Yeah, and then they briefly lose him as the hostage and then immediately kill him. And then they get on the plane and Argo, it is not. <laughs> that was the craziest thing is that they make so many bones about having him as a hostage, somehow lose him. Even <laughs> though that, that moment is insane. We need to talk just about that for a him. second. He just falls out of the car, or the uh, falls He's out a of the hot truck. Five feet away from that, and they go, "Oh no, there's a truck approaching a hundred feet away. Nothing to do. Yep, leave him." And they just leave him. And yeah, like this is one of those moments that like where tension would build in a regular movie. This would be used to build tension. Yeah. Lynn gets up all dirty. His hair's messed up. He's got blood dripping down his forehead. He, like, tells the driver of the van, like, move over, I'm getting in. And they take off after Red Brown and Sheila. And then, yeah, he gets headshotted from so far away. (laughs) From, like... From football fields. You are winning winning the highest honors on your fucking whatever Xbox 9... Like right. it, like you win a free game. That's how good this headshot is. It's a <laughs> he just shoots off in the horizon. They're like, yeah, that's fixed. Not only did I kill the main bad guy, it blew up all the other bad guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it blew that, up. That is wild. No, the fact that he shoots him and then it, and then the truck that he's in goes careening into a into a building and explodes is like he blows up the rest of the movie. <laughs> like a truck carrying the rest of the movie. Is shot and they go kaboom and I look at the clock and I was like 
there's 20 minutes left of the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the move the rest of the movie just went bye-bye. What ha- this is oh no, this is CBS telling David Lynch and Mark Frost that they have to reveal the killer in Twin Peaks in the middle of the season. <laughs> Where did they go? Yeah, again, made it all the more funny when we just jettison it. Goodbye. Goodbye, Lynn. We liked you. We liked you. Sure. We're a snake movie now. We don't need you. Oh, We're oh a snake God. movie. Why'd it have to be snakes? I am a huge fan of the scene in the cockpit where fucking the yell at me Ken doll that is Red Brown is, is just like... Oh no, we're gonna crash. <laughs> Basically, is like dealing with his impending doom, like a business person being told that they're being put up at a Motel Six. He's like, oh <laughs> shit! All right, we're gonna go down. Oh, continental breakfast. Must hit the fuel tanks. What can we do? Pray. Not you do. Yours will probably go against. Us. Crash land the plane in that tree, and I was just struck with the thought of like, is ten minutes left in a movie really when you start cutting snakes' heads off? <laughs> <I know. laughs> is that a little late to we, introduce yeah, the snake we, head cutting? We, we could have lost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as, as amazing as it was to see a man decapitate a snake, um, was pretty cool. It was, it pretty was very fun. cool. Yep. It real it did nothing for us. <laughs> right, because there's the first snake bit. Yes. There's, where yes, they get yeah. out of the plane door and he, he, you know, Sheila goes, oh my, and and Red Brown, quick as lightning, slices the snake's head off. And then they're walking away from the plane and Sheila, what, she like tumbles like fucking the end of True Grit into a pit of vipers, right? She yeah. gets scared by a snake into a pit of other snakes, which I assume they were working together. It's too many snakes. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, it's a snake movie now, and I'll, I'll like, like, was this, a, was it all a clever DEA metaphor? Is it like <laughs> they were trying to cut the head off the snake, and then they're in a pit of vipers? I mean, and sure. is this propaganda? Is um, it a it's St. Patrick's Day <laughs> joke? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, there were snakes. There was the unsatisfying ending. But yes, you're right, Casey. Speaking of snakes. There's been a snake in the grass this whole time, and his name is Red. Not to be confused with Reb. Not to be confused with Reb or Ref. You know, there's a lot of different things you could be calling him based on what he's dressed like and what his <laughs> name is. Um, but yes, it's so funny. This is an it becomes an an enemy of my enemy. Like Dugan is not in any way more innocent than he was at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> but suddenly he becomes the good guy because he did not betray <laughs> Reb Brown. <laughs> hey, I don't see Vincent Dugan. He's dead. He didn't make it. How could you be that fucking incompetent? I made it clear we had to have him alive. Alive, damn it! As a witness, remember? You're fucking up my career, you bastard. Don't be too hard on the kid. You haven't forgotten, have you? Two percent off every gram of drug we gave you for ten years. Proof of that is still with me. He's right. People make mistakes. You want to do it alive my ass? You just wanted a fucking proof. What'd you do with Franklin Slade? 
You're not going to kill me. And I'm not going to kill you. One. And then he takes off the sling like that was part of the deception. And I'm like, you were shot. Yeah, you were shot. Very <laughs> funny. <laughs> we saw that happen. We saw that happen. You, you know, yeah, like, did it. those guys shoot you in that? specific place on purpose so that you'd be laid up but not laid up enough. like was he actually trying to get Red Brown on the radio this whole time was that was the, a disinformation campaign I... to keep him <laughs> off the radio from his friends no way of knowing no way of knowing all we know for sure is he had hired some sort of local hitman mercenary who dressed like he was the blueberry in some like school assembly hip hop themed <laughs> play about nutrition. Like, wait, who are we talking about? I'm the guy, the guy who like kills all the other commandos is like he's in all blue and it's like a blue denim vest and a blue oh, bandana wow. around his head. It's like it's like aha ha ha. <laughs> My name's Blueberry and I'm here to say I got dietary fiber for you every day. Antioxidants. <laughs> and vitamin A. Oh. 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 Vitamin A oh. and C and K. <laughs> and I'm gonna get killed by a spray and pray. <laughs> they both shoot each other, right? And, and the Merc dies, and Red Brown kind of crawls over to have like a Oh my god. A, a Terrence Malick movie? Yeah, like yeah, to yeah, have yeah. like a little like it stairs. like he was like acting in that moment, yeah. like, like where he's like, "I'm not gonna make it out of this." Like, but isn't, yeah. but isn't the sky so beautiful? Like that's kind of what his eyes were telling me. No dialogue was telling me this, but okay, because I was very confused for a second. No, there. no, no. He was just like, "Well, this is the end of the road for DEA agent Mitch something McConnell." <laughs> <laughs> sees Chuck Connors stumble through the brush. He points his gun at him, but he's like, uh, he doesn't even think to pull the trigger. He's like, it's all over, man. It's like, what are we doing? What are we doing out here? I was just fighting snakes. I don't know what's going Like, what does it mean? I can't what does believe it all my mean? jurisdiction is here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The old beat. <laughs> the vast Asian jungle. My beat. So yeah, so Dugan saves his life. But yeah, just sticking a stick into the back of Chuck it, Connors' yeah, head, really it seems. It, yeah. Like, pretty deep, too. Like, Chuck Connors, like, reacts and then falls to the ground. And Dugan's got, like, a non-sharpened mop handle in his head. <laughs> and there's, like, five inches of blood down. It's like, God damn, Dugan. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a bad guy. He was the good guy. Yeah. And he's like, uh, hey, fuck my daughter, K-Champ. <laughs> <laughs> but my daughter good for me <laughs> don't do anything i wouldn't or do uh, actually uh. only do things i wouldn't yeah yeah yeah, yeah. only do things i wouldn't do you yep. could do all the things i wouldn't do buddy <laughs> I, I love that because it's very funny to get dad's permission yeah. <laughs> and where okay you, you don't see that a lot no no classy it's a traditional movie <laughs> I got two tickets to hell tonight. We're going <laughs> to hell. That's where we're going. That's the name of the country we were in the whole time. Oh. Two tickets to hell tonight. 
I actually don't really know Two Tickets to Paradise that well, so I really only remember it from a commercial Eddie Money did for I think for like uh, Liberty Mutual or something where he was in a travel agent. So I'm like only remembering that, but I think that was relatively yeah. the melody. <laughs> Rip off report card. <laughs> the last flight to hell rip off report card is brought to you by Jet Black Airlines. If you're taking only one flight to hell, make it your last with Jet Black. The color of night exteriors and some supposedly lit interiors. (laughs) Last Flight to Hell is one of over 100 films, action international pictures distributed during their short tenure from 1986 to 1992. Now, our director Ignazio Dolce was a prolific Italian actor appearing in at least 25 films before turning to directing. But a lack of information outside of the similar-sounding San Ignacio Dolce de Leche food product (laughs) brings us instead to one of AIP's head honchos. David Winters co-founded AIP with filmmakers David A. Pryor and Peter Yuval. Both Pryor and Yuval were not necessarily household names, though Pryor would become a cult director from his work with AIP, uh, directing Deadly Prey and a ton of other jungle-themed shoot-'em-ups, But David Winters actually was kind of a household name. Most interestingly to Jamie, Winters played Baby John in the original cast of West Side Story (gasps) and later played Arab in the filmed version. Yes, I did know this. Most interestingly to Josh, he also directed Space Mutiny for a stint (gasps) before having to hand the reins to Neil Sundstrom due to a death in the family, but despite being unhappy with the final product, could not extricate his name from the credits. <laughs> oh, wow. do, you, do, you, do you have anything interesting for me, Sandy Claus? <laughs> 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 and none for Gretchen Wieners. Bye. <laughs> Winters was born in London as David Weitzer to Jewish parents. They moved to New York, and he shined shoes on the Coney Island boardwalk to pay for dance lessons. When he was 10 or 12, depending on the source, he was scouted by a talent agent while dancing at a restaurant in Manhattan and brought on to dance and act in several television shows and stage plays. He also became a very sought-after choreographer, often working on the films of Anne-Margaret, including Viva Las Vegas with Elvis. He choreographed for Hullabaloo and Shindig and even directed a few episodes of The Monkees television show in the 60s. In the 70s, he directed and choreographed Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare, and he actually introduced him to his future wife, ballerina Cheryl Goddard. Around this time, he choreographed high art, like Streisand's A Star is Born, and low art, like the Star Wars Holiday Special. That's awesome. He also became Linda Lovelace's boyfriend for a stint following her divorce. Sick, sick, dog. Fucking <laughs> Starting in the 80s, he started making genre films like The Last Horror Movie, and that's when what I would call the video high years started to emerge. <laughs> he directed a young Josh Brolin in the skateboarding film Thrashin', though he wanted Johnny Depp. And he started AIP and produced a slew of films where beefy-ish men and over-the-hill stars hoping for a Tarantino-like filmic rebirth would run around Southern California with machine guns on occasion actually using them. Active until the day he died, he published a memoir in 2018 called Tough Guys Do Dance that I need to now track down for every insane detail I could pick from it. 
So to the real ones, like David Winters, we give a big video high salute to you. That has been the last flight to hell ripoff report card. Oh man, Fast. I'm all, yeah, I'm all wow. up in his IMDb now. Very cool. It was two tickets to hell tonight. Had to use them because it was the last flight. <laughs> Rip off report card. Woo. Good news. Looks like the book's still in print. Sure. The last flight to hell book novelization. <laughs> the novelization, last flight to hell, the book. Goes into way more detail on your guy. Similar to Moby Dick, it spends a lot of time talking about the production of grenade launcher shells. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Anyway, with a good lawyer, I'm out in six months. In the meantime, I hope you take good care of my little girl. Let's go. Dear classmates of Video High, before we board... The, our our final connection to hell. What <laughs> from last flight to hell might end up on the final test. Remember episode, how? Oh, oh. No, you first. Let's all first do ours at the same. I'll time. do it at the same time. Ah! Yeah, okay. <laughs> Remember how I said I would fly you out last. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode of Video High has been brought to you by Lionsgate's. Plane, starring Gerard Butler and Mike Coulter, now in theaters. And keep an eye out for its sequel coming in 2024. Ship! That last part isn't a joke. Wait, really? Wait, really? Yes, 100% true. I sort of love how easy both those movies are to bad review parody, like Gene Shallot or whatever his name was. (laughs) Plane takes a nosedive. I'm a bit sad I didn't get to watch this the way it was meant to be seen, I assume, on an in-flight entertainment system. You know, I think those deep grays would have really popped there, and it would have been just as easy to hear and understand. This is a movie with no stakes, no power dynamics, no character dimensions to speak of. It was just the one where the guy with the biggest gun makes the rules. An aspiration to live by. That's why Video High, I think you'll be... Amending your reviews to last night. Where did you get that? I had these in a box underneath my desk. (laughs) Should never have let him get his foot that close to it. Damn! (laughs) That was your mistake. Your one mistake. You let me reach my infinite box of machine guns. Thank you, classmates, for joining us on The Last Flight to Hell. We gotta give some very special thank yous out there to everyone who makes this show possible. Firstly, thank you Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra and Gabriella Tessitore of the band Scout Harris for our theme music. Thank you Justin Ferraro of the band The Rizzos for the rest of our music. Thank you Ann Shearer for our logo. And of course, thank you to our teacher, Mr. Philip Marlowe you like the show well then show it already by coming over to our social medias that is at video high podcast on facebook and instagram and at video high dot pod on twitter come say hi tell us what you like tell us what you don't like tell us who you don't like and let us know if there's a movie you think we should cover in the class 
As always, we take five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts for appreciation. And for the next class, your assigned screening will be 1986's Knights of the City. Or Grease 3, Electric Boogaloo, A West Side Story. From all of us students at Video High, Greg Hansen, Jamie Kennedy, Josh Roth, and me, Casey Regan, thanks again for listening, and don't ever leave us again. Uh, I think I heard Red Brown botching a... I think I heard Red Brown botching a drug but oh, why this is like a tongue twister. Why'd you give me this? Uh, <laughs> Red Brown botching a drug bust. Red Brown botching a drug bust. Red Brother Yellow Leather. Simple Equations Podcast Network. <laughs>